Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Welcome in. I am, I don't know, Matt, there are, I, mean, I get excited about all of our episodes, but this one in particular, I don't think I've been this giddy about an episode since the Imagineering Story episode, because it took me a year to get you to watch that. This one didn't take quite that long, but it's very few and far between that I have seen a Disney movie and a hit Disney movie at that, that you have not seen and that you've watched for this podcast, yet that's what's happening today. Yes, absolutely, because more often than not, I would say, you know, 85% of the time, it's, I've seen a movie, I convince you that we should watch it for this, and and then um, then you watch it, and, and I talk about either, you know, what I liked or disliked, and then you come in, or it's a movie that we've both seen. Yes. And then we're just reviewing it. But yes, few and far between is there a movie or show or something that you have watched that I haven't. And some of that is just, you know, my wife and I did that journey through the Disney movies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've seen every animated Disney movie once. I'm a movie person. Like, that's what I did in high school. Um, shout out to... Mark Peters and Henry Morrow, my friends who I went to go see movies with at Showcase West in Flint, Michigan, um, <laughs> saw some truly terrible movies, but that's what I did. Um, so, and, so here's you know. the here's the re- here's here's where we're at with this. So, obviously, by the title, you know that we're reviewing Cruella, the live action movie that debuted earlier this year, 2021. Okay, let's be right up front. First of all, the live-action movies have had mixed reviews across the board. Um, Some people love them, some people hate them, some people like them, some like certain ones, some like other ones. Some have performed amazingly well at the box office, and others not so much. Some have been sleeper hits. We've talked about the the Jungle Book being a sleeper live-action hit. Others, like The Lion King, I don't even know if we can call that live-action. It was just a reanimated movie, right? So... When this one was announced, we've made no bones on this podcast, Matt, of saying that 101 Dalmatians, eh, like it, it, neither one of us, it's not exactly a, a, a go-to favorite. And, and I've already made it a point to say that Cruella DeVille, who kills puppies, like she doesn't even deserve a spot on our, on our list, right? So when this movie got announced, both of us were like, there's no, no interest in going to see this movie. So... Then COVID hit, <laughs> and and I, I, I and I say that because COVID hit, and there literally was this like vacancy of movies. It was a vacuum. For, it was this yeah, vacuum of like, movies. Yeah, for like nine months. Like you know, everything kept getting pushed back. A couple things got released to Disney Plus or to other streaming services, but the experience of going to the theater to enjoy a movie that previous to 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 me going to see this which i'll get to in a minute had been sonic the hedgehog like january 2020 before everything happened right so cruella was the first i don't want to say the first movie to go back to the theaters but i want to say the first major movie to kind of get put back into the theaters and i don't want to say post-covid because we're not post-covid but in this weird period of like May and June when the numbers severely dropped and people were feeling a little bit more comfortable. And I have weekends off because I don't work at the Disney store anymore. And I was like, you know what? What the heck? 
like, it's a Disney movie. I'm, I'm reading some really good reviews on it. A bunch of my friends had seen it and said it was really well done. I'm gonna go spend the the, the eight bucks and and go watch Cruella and get some popcorn. Well, right? and that's and that's the thing. From being a movie person, like sometimes it is just I've seen some truly terrible movies in theaters, but it doesn't matter. Some of it is just like I went to the theater and I saw a movie and I you know it, it was it was great. I relaxed. It was a great time. Like yeah, that's just exactly. that's fun. And that and that's it was by myself and I and I was one of like. 10 people in the theater and there wasn't a lot of people. It was like, I want to say the third weekend it was out, but I was on the edge of my seat. It, I was so enthralled with the movie. And we're going to get into all those details in a couple of minutes where I walked out there and I said, did I really just enjoy Cruella, the live action movie? And to the point that I said to myself, that in my opinion is the best live action movie that Disney has produced thus far. So I have been advocating for it since then on this podcast. So if you've been listening to our episodes leading up to this, you know that I've talked about it. So that's where I'm going to shut up for a minute. And Matt, I, just right off the bat, where are you? First impressions. What Did I lie to you? Okay. I, I have to tell a story, partly okay. to leave you in suspense. Here. All right. All right. Um, so I, I took Friday off of work. We're recording this on a on a. Saturday night. So yesterday I was, I was off. So Thursday night I was like, Oh shoot, I got to watch this movie. And Friday I had a a bunch of stuff planned. Me and my wife were hanging out. I was like, okay, I got to watch this movie. So like at nine 30, 10 o'clock, I'm like, okay, I got to watch this thing. Um, and so I started up and watching it and about an hour in my wife decides to go to bed. So I'm like, well, I'm going to continue watching this. So I'm going to like go downstairs and, go downstairs and um, I'm watching it and I'm, I'm, it's in that, like, I'm, 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 I'm not thinking like this is the greatest movie ever, but I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of in autopilot. Like I'm watching a movie. That's all that's happening. Okay. okay. And we get to like 75% of the way through the movie and I was hungry and I got to go get us and I had to go get a snack. And so I paused the movie and I got up like really excitedly and ran to go get a snack. And I'm like, Gosh dang it, I'm having fun. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. Right? <laughs> um I I I am not as high on it as you are, okay. but I am not far off from it. Okay. I I cannot believe that these words are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but that was such a fun and well done movie. Right? And I, I I I mean I have like a gripe or two with it, but it's like it's a gripe. They're gripes that are like not real gripes. The, we'll get to the, those. We'll get to those. Yeah, sort of the, yeah. the like the the movie as a whole, I think, is just so well put together. Um, I think Emma Stone took some flack for playing this character, and I'm not sure why. I, I thought her I portrayal was was pretty I good. Think up front, she took some flat flack, but I've not heard a peep about it after because the the moment that I, you know, the moment I realized there's two moments I realized that, you know, that she can do it. The first, that we, so when the, the, the child character dips her head into the sink and then she shows up and it's the first time you see Emma Stone as Cruella and she's in the mirror and she's brushing her teeth and she does that thing with her, with her, with her, um, her hand and her wrist up against her mouth. It's the mannerism that you would expect Cruella to do to wipe her mouth and the way she walks hunched over. That's number one. And I'm like, Oh my God, she's nailed it. And then number two, 
the laugh. Uh, Chris mentioned the laugh um, on the discontinued on Dis- uh, discontinued uh, Disney um, podcast a couple weeks back, where you know Glenn Coast Close just had that laugh down. Yeah, but oh my God, so does Emma Stone, right? I mean, like her laugh, the way she did it several times throughout the movie. Um, I I rewatched it again now for a third time uh, before we started recording, and the number of times that you hear it, you go, "Wow, she's she's got that," you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, so I I'm glad I'm so I'm glad you're there. I'm glad that you're there. So you're not as high on it as I am, but you're close. Would you put it in your book as the best live action that has been produced yet? No, I still think Jungle Book is better. But okay, okay. let me say this. You are not as much of an action junkie as I am. True, true. So uh, this was very much, if you're looking for high octane action, this is not your movie. That's fair. Now, there's some very good intrigue and behind the scenes manipulation and that I I, I I love that was when I realized I was like oh, oh man I'm having so much fun look at this I love yeah this. so so right off the bat you're listening to a Cruella reveal review, uh, review spoilers ahead uh, we're gonna we're gonna move into some spoiler yes. territory here so yeah to that point that I think that's what I loved about this this was a little bit more less actiony more kind of like um there was a little bit of drama, but not really. There was some humor, but not as much. But there was a lot of like spyish, thrillish type stuff in this. I want to say spy thriller, like almost heist of Ocean's it, Eleven type yeah, vibe. Not really, quite exactly. like that, but kind of. Yeah, no, it, did, it ha- yeah, or or even the Italian job. I, I would say the Italian yeah, yeah, job yeah. is a better example because that one. Well, even Ocean's Eleven, because there's a lot of like, there's there's what you think is going on. Then there's what's actually going on, and then there's what's actually going on. Like the whole reveal at the end about whose daughter she is. Like yeah. you don't see that, see that coming at see all. And do you find yourself going, "Oh my god, really? She, that explains everything." That you totally understand it at that point when when it's well, all and, put together. And I think that the only other like villain origin story that we have to compare this out to is Maleficent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Maleficent was definitely more of an action driven. Like it's the first fantasy too. Yeah. Fantasy type thing. And so it's, it's, you know, uh, you know, the first act is kind of setting it all up and then it ends in this big battle in the third act. Whereas I think that was kind of what initially when this first was announced, I was like, wait a minute. So how are they going to like make this movie intriguing to me? Because is there going to be like a fashion battle? I, I was not like seeing how they were going to do this. And they really, really pull it off very, very well. The artistic direction that the director uh, uh, pulls off in this, um, uh, Craig, uh, Craig Gillespie pulls off in this, it is, uh, is stunning. I mean, so basically you're set in late or early 70s, maybe mid 70s, um, uh, England, London, really at this point, where you got that high, I mean, that was a very high fashion time, right? And What's amazing about it is the fashion that they're wearing, but the musical direction too. The music, in my mind, is what makes this movie work. The theme that they give Cruella, not the Cruella DeVille song, which they do an interpretation of that, but I'm talking the instrumental um, where she's you hear it throughout the whole thing, but then she also sings it when she's in the park on the stage where, you know, I'm a dog, you know, nah, nah, nah. You know I want to be a dog mm-hmm. or whatever that song is. That carries throughout the whole thing. 
I think the musical direction, the way they set that up, is what makes you feel like you're you're holding on to the seat of your pants the whole time. Yeah, it, it, there's there's so much uh, intrigue. I think is the best way I can describe it. That you're you're wondering how this is going to go, and it's very it's an it's an engaging way. It's something you you can invest in, and that's ultimately what they want. Um, yeah. So so yeah, that that was and. Emma Thompson as the Baroness is just, uh, I I have to imagine that that was such a fun role yes. for her to play yes. and she does it so well. Exquisitely. Any scene with her, I was like, I'm in, like, I, I want more of this. Like she was just so, you, you, you the, the, you're right. Cause there's every scene you like, there's so many scenes that I can talk about with her, whether it's when she first walks into Liberty of London and she talks about the window display and, and, you know, who, who did it? And, and the guy goes, you know, this person, you know, we got to get, we got, you know, it's breeding or whatever. Well, does she work here? Well, absolutely not. Well, that's unfortunate for you. Like just the way she yeah. says that, or when she's reading the article about herself and the guy coughs and she just stops and then continues on or, or when she nicks, um, Cruella with the, with the blade mm-hmm. and, and she goes, ow, I thank you. And she goes, why are you talking? Like just little things like that. She's, she's so in the, in the way she can play the part, not just with what she says, but even just her mannerisms or her look. I've watched the movie now three times. I don't know why it took me till this third time to realize it, but the scene when, her and Cruella are at the restaurant and she's doing the toast and she toasts to herself and she goes, well, who else would I toast to? And Emma goes, well, to me for doing your signature piece. And then she, and so there was that. Then at the end when she's up there and they're all wearing the Cruella outfits and she has to toast to Cruella. I, I never really put those two scenes together, but mm. the way she looked like just this, this anger inside of her, brilliant imitomic brilliant (laughs) yeah yeah and and that's and that is the fun again you know this is a movie about a villain origin story but the baroness is the villain yeah she's the villain to the villain like that's i think that's what i mean you you've heard me yak on this podcast all the time that you know movies and this is not just in terms of comic book movies regular movies need a compelling antagonist yep um, villain character, and this is also not just movies. Like um, uh, sports, a lot of times need this that they want to pin the villain aspect on a certain team to get you intrigued and invested, of not necessarily cheering for your team, but cheering against this team. You're, you're from Detroit. When we went through that whole phase in the the late '90s of hockey, and we were the yeah. Detroit Red Wings, who who. Who was? Do you remember who our villain was that we used to? It was like the one that we were always battling against. It was uh, the Avalanche, right? The Colorado, Colorado yeah. Avalanche, baby, yeah. absolutely. Being from Detroit, I absolutely remember that. And to this and, day, I still like have a distaste for the Colorado Avalanche, even though I like <laughs> I have nothing like right? towards any of the current players. Absolutely. Uh, like, uh, just, but you just see it, and you're like, ah, oh, the Avalanche. Yeah, it's like ah, no, I want them. Yep. <laughs> um. Okay, so let's do what we normally do. Um, let's talk favorite parts of the movie. What were some of your your absolute favorite moments of the movie? Um, I mean, we've already gone through the Emma Thompson stuff. Yeah. So anytime Emma Thompson was on camera, I'm I'm in. Um, but also, I I loved Horace, 
And the, the scenes, the scene, especially when they're infiltrating the party for the first time to like get the necklace. Yeah. And he's um, wink is having to pretend to be a rat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I very much enjoyed uh, that, that, that whole scene. And I like that they made him kind of a bumbling idiot without being a complete bumbling idiot. He, actually was, kind, still, he was actually kind of smart, yeah. but he kind of got himself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, and I liked that because so often the villain henchmen's are bumbling idiots. Like they have no value to, to what's going on. In fact, they detract from what's going on. And you didn't get that feeling with Jasper and Horace in this, like mm-hmm. they were competent. They were maybe a little, not as genius as what she was, but they were still competent and key to what was going on. And I enjoyed how like their how the how smooth they were with all their costume changes and how they acted in all the different roles. I, I, so yeah, I mean, I like Jasper as well. I thought Jasper was pay, played very well, but I, just I, I liked really liked how Horace. they I liked how they just framed Jasper and Horace up in general. Like what I think what was interesting and fun about this was that you were able to see how their there because in and I'm very rusty on my 101 Dalmatians. It's been years since I've seen the movie, but you know they kind of just show up as like these these henchmen of Cruella Deville. But you don't understand the dynamics of of why. Like why are They're, you helping her? Yeah, why are you helping her? Where this really does a good job of painting them. I mean, they they've been together since she was you know 10 or 11 mm-hmm. or 12 years old, right? So you know that that that's a huge um, way to kind of explain it that they have a bond and. There's also kind of this will they won't they kind of romance between Jasper and Cruella, but it also is kind of a brotherly sister thing too. Like there's never really a like there's no romance whatsoever, but there is a chemistry there between the two of them, which is really interesting, especially that scene when they're out there on 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 the on the balcony before they do the final the final um thing at her mansion. I also love how Jasper and Horace are willing to stand up for themselves in this. Like, you know, you don't talk to us like that. We're helping you. We're your friends. I think that is really cool to watch Estella become Cruella. You see that moment where she really converts over and she really is one of, you know, she's two minds and she's flipping between the two, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I I like that duality of... At the beginning, she's really trying to be Estella. She goes mm-hmm. into this dual identity of I'm having to be Cruella here, but Estella over here. And then by the end of the movie, it is Estella is dead. Like literally they bury her and now she is Cruella. Yeah. Fun fact. I want to call this out. So when we had Chris on a couple weeks ago, he was talking about how amazing Glenn Close is as Cruella de Vil in 101, 102 Dalmatians. I, I didn't know this, and, and I'm sure until I, till today, actually, I re-looked at the Wikipedia. Did you know that Glenn Close was actually a producer on this film? Oh, I didn't know that at all. She, yeah, she actually was a producer on this film. Good for her. Um, she was hired, uh, Andrew Gunn was hired to produce, uh, produce the film with Glenn Close, who previously played the character. Um, and apparently... She was on set to help um, Emma Stone kind of with her mannerisms to how she played them in the original 100 102 live action. So there's a theory, though the Roger Anita thing, which we'll get to in a minute, blows it a little bit out of the water. But there's a theory that this is actually meant to be in the same continuity 
as the 101, 102 live action movies, which I think is fun. And I think that they absolutely could play that off. Of course, the character, the actors are different and, and, and uh, Anita and Roger. Um, I, I want to ask you this real quick. Okay. Did you know that right off the bat that when, when, when you first meet Anita, that it was going to be the Anita from the movie? No. And did you know when you first met Roger that it was going to be Roger from the original movie? No, not so at you, all. So you watched the end credit scene, right? Oh, I did not watch this end credit scene. You didn't watch Dang. the end credit scene? Oh, my goodness. I'm, okay, I, I'll say, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was about to say, like, I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so Roger and Anita. So Anita is the, the, the reporter, right? So she's the reporter who covers yeah. all that. And Roger is, is um, the Baroness's lawyer who gets fired. They're the same Roger and Anita from the original movie. Oh. And so the end credit scene at the end of the movie, and it's not even end credits, it's like a mid-credit scene. Um, there's there's a quick 60-second scene where Cruella sends Anita Perdita and uh, Pongo to Roger with a little letter saying enjoy, and then it pans out. Roger goes back to his piano and starts writing the Cruella de Vil song. Wow. Yeah, you got to watch it. So, I'll have to watch just that. YouTube it. It's like 60 seconds. It's oh, not yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. But it ties. In fact, they're, at the very end, when they're in Hell Hall, when Horace goes, does, when he points to one of the Dalmatian, look fat to you? It's because she's pregnant. Oh. I know. So the connection and the oh. fact that the mansion, you know, she takes down the the man. So it was yeah. Hellman Hall. So now it's Hell Hall, which again goes back to the movie. So there's all these little Easter eggs that point to the original movie, which I just think they cleverly do without it beating you over the head, you know? Yeah. Without like it being like a, huh? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch all of that stuff. Um, partly because I'm not as familiar with uh, 101 Dalmatians, 101 yeah. Dalmatians, live action or animated. Um, yeah, I have to. I didn't even make make those connections at all. Um, yeah. it, it's it, and I know they've announced a sequel for this. Yeah, so. well, I don't know if they've announced it. The, there are plans in the works. I don't know if it, they've announced it officially, but yeah, they definitely want to do a sequel for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I and I think definitely they could. But this is also that weird. It came out on Premiere Access and in theaters, and so how well it did is not a a well, you know, with, it's, with, it's it's a hard barometer to go on. Well, it, it debuted on May twenty eighth, so we're kind of in the the downward spiral. It, it debuted uh, Premiere Access and in theaters. It did two hundred and thirty three million dollars on a budget of between one hundred and two hundred million. So all things considered, that's actually a success. Yeah. So I agree what with it you. was. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the fact and and the thing about this is I don't think it kicked off with a lot of, oh, we got to go see this. I think it did exactly what brought me in the word of mouth. A couple people saw it and said this really good. And then more people saw it and said, oh, my God, it's really good. And before you know it, it was this chain event of people going to see it or, or ordering it on, on Disney Plus going. Yeah, this is this is great. Um, again, I I stand by my statement that I I think it's it is the the best live action out there. And I and again, you know, I'm high on Jungle Book, and I, I think the two are probably tied. But you know, previous I was a huge Aladdin fan. Um, Cinderella, you know, Cinderella was okay. Yeah, Cinderella was good. But I think Other this Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson's th- just you know th- this one beats 
No, that's Kate Blanchett. The, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, no, that's like she's not in that. Um, no, Emma Thompson does um, does the uh, the the Walt Disney one. Uh, uh, P.L. Travers, she does yeah, uh, she Saving Mr. Travers, Banks, yeah. yeah, which she does but, great in that too. Oh, she's amazing in that. So I I just it, it's I, I don't know where they'll go with the sequel because they're going to be butted up against the original movies at this point. So you know it's going to be interesting to see how they they fit all that in. But Emma Stone, I mean, she's just she's a phenomenal actress. What I would love them to do is to kind of morph this into another live action 101 Dalmatians, like almost make a little bit of make that the sequel almost. Mm, mm-hmm. And I I'm curious that I think that Wait, are movie, you actually advocating to to see 101 Dalmatians? Uh, like, I, I mean, I think 101 Dalmatians in general is a movie that is a very vanilla movie mm-hmm. where it's not a bad movie. But it's also not the greatest movie. So when you watch it, I remember because I remember when when we went through this with my wife, where I watched it, and I went, "That was great. It, it was it was fine. Like I'm not gonna run out and watch it again." But We're almost in it for the dogs. Yeah, like and, and, like I think you really are. Like when you watch a movie called 101 Dalmatians, you're in it to watch the cute puppies. Yeah, where I think you're right. If they were to do if they do the sequel and it does become maybe you know you know, 50.5 Dalmatians or whatever, like it kind of runs into hundred or, or even they make 101 Dalmatians and completely remake it. You almost like don't go see it for the dogs at that point. You almost, you go to see it for Cruella because you're invested in this character. They're in a very weird space, right? To be able to do that. Well, and especially if they do this whole Roger and Anita that are connected into this web where like Anita and Cruella are friends, that would be an interesting dynamic with Roger being the Baroness's lawyer. That's an interesting dynamic. Like that sounds like a much more interesting film. I agree. The, the, The problem with Cruella DeVille in the animated movie is She's honestly not in the movie that much. No, that was one not. thing that I was really, really surprised at. She's not in the movie that much. And most of it, she's just like this crazy mad lady. Like, she's yeah. not really villainous. She's just like, I'm trying to get these puppies and I drive crazy. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Um, and, and so now... If you were to use the Roger and Anita, and even if you use another Roger and Anita, but having the background of Cruella would, and Horace and Jasper and that whole world, you set it in this world, mm-hmm. this movie becomes way more interesting to me. Yeah. I, I Again, I think you're watching it for those characters. I mean, it'd be very interesting even if like, you were rooting for Cruella, you know, like, and I think that's one of the things that this movie does really well on too, is it, it does a good job playing. Like, I remember you saying to me, I don't want to watch a movie about where I'm rooting, rooting for a villain who wants to kill puppies. You know, I think to do a really good job here of like, she didn't kill the dogs. In fact, she's got a good relationship with the dogs. She, she actually trained the dogs to heal when she said heal, you know, like, like it, I, they did a great job with that. They also, um, one thing about this too, I don't know if you noticed this or not, she never smokes in this movie. No, she does not. And that is actually because Disney since 2007 has not allowed any of the characters in any of their movies to smoke. And so her famous long cigarette that she has in the live action and in the, in the animated, she doesn't have in this, but you don't miss it at all at all. And, and she plays a very modern type Cruella. Yeah. And, and that's, Going to live action in general, I like the, I am a fan of the live actions if they use it to tell a different story. 
So this is why I did not like Lion King. Yeah. Because Lion King was literally, in certain cases, a shot-for-shot remake. Like, I'm not talking about, oh, we decided to do something different. Like, no. You watch Circle of Life, it's the same shots, just... Yeah. And and so that, to me, it's like, why are we doing this? This is stupid. If you think about the the live actions that have been produced, right? So um, there's only been a couple that have been true prequels there's been maleficent mm-hmm. which but even I, that wasn't a prequel because it, it went through yeah well it, it, it was it was a prequel but it was a prequel through the movie and then you got a sequel with the second one Mr. exactly Evil. so this is really like a true prequel because aladdin while it was a remake and, and the story remained the same there were elements of aladdin especially jasmine's story that made it unique right exactly um yeah. uh beauty and the beast was was i'd say closer again to, to the animated but again there were elements of the story like for example the time traveling scene or, or you know when 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 she's able to go back to any point in time and see something or or the beasts um solo which again i don't like but you know like there were there were elements of that that were that were, were different which made it interesting so to your point live a, a live action lion king was just boring um jungle book was amazing because it told the story differently right but this movie is really its own thing it's a it's prequel it, it truly, and i think that they probably felt like they had the license to do that because i think a lot of people feel the way that you just expressed about 101 dalmatians it's just a eh, movie and so they had the license and the freedom to kind of play around with the character a little bit and, and say what made her like this well that was one of the problems i had when they announced beauty and the beast the live action where I'm thinking, you can't change this movie. You can tweak it, but you can't change this movie and expect people to love it as much as they love the original. And that's where I think the goldmine of these live actions is. Yeah. It's in these movies like 101 Dalmatians, Jungle Book. Um, I mean, I'm going to throw Robin Hood in there. Um, let's, let's, I'm trying to think of some more. I think that, I mean, I know this is not a popular Disney movie, but it could be a, re- you could do a really cool Black Cauldron remake. I'd love to see a, um, a Captain Hook prequel. Captain Hook prequel. Like, you, know, like, you, you couldn't call it Hook, but, you no. know, call it, call it Captain or something, you know? And like, how did Hook come to be Hook? Like, why is he so bitter? And, you know, like, it, it, here, here, I think some of this is fueled by, you know, we talked about Once Upon a Time several months back. Some of this is fueled by seeing some of the imaginative stories of these fairy tales in a, in a TV show like Once Upon a Time, where you can kind of see, you know, in that case, Hook's the actual, the good guy, and Peter Pan is the bad guy. I don't think that would ever be like that for Disney, but it'd be fun to see his prequel, right? You know, how did he get to be Captain Hook? Again, we got how did Cruella get to be Cruella. Um, it, it, I think when you're just going to go and rehash just the story, it, it, you know, unless it's a beloved story, then okay. Like, I'm curious to see how Little Mermaid goes. You know, yeah. I know there's a lot of flack about the casting. I don't care about that. I, I want to see the movie. But I'd like to see an origin story about Ursula, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I and I think that Disney might be missing out a little bit on some of this of, like, Let's get the origin story of the villain, and that moves into the live action. Yeah, and it wouldn't work for every villain. Like, I don't think I really need Gaston's origin story. You kind of already know his origin yeah, story. Like, like I, Gaston is a child who eats five dozen eggs. Like, do we need to see that? Yeah, you know? like, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. 
But uh, um, did you ever see Mulan, the live action? I have no um, that, that that one I appreciated because they totally reinvented the story. Hmm. That they didn't just do a complete rehash. It was completely different. Well, like completely I, different. I never liked animated Mulan. Um, I just I don't resonate with like I don't know. I don't resonate with that type of genre. I just never have. And so like I just I guess you could say that's one live action that I probably will not see. I just well I've not seen Pete's Dragon either. So um, which apparently we discovered way back in our first episode was really highly rated. So yeah, so maybe we to watch we that. need to watch that one and do an episode on that or something. So okay, you said you had a couple of nitpicks. Yes, again, these are very very nitpicky, and one of them we've kind of already glossed over, which is. It's very hard to me to go, okay, so wait a minute. If you're going to keep her, and I guess let me caveat this. If the character stays the same as this is a character who wants to get puppies to skin them and make them into a coat, I, I sorry, like you're trying to justify someone who's trying to skin puppies. Like Maleficent's uh, arc made sense because she was wronged by Stefan. <clears throat> this one didn't make much sense to me, but... I will say after seeing this and thinking about it some more, I'm separating Cruella of Animated and this Cruella. I think they are two different things. And they, they, they told this story over here and they're telling this story over here. So I don't think that Cruella is... I think that this Cruella, the one in the live action, is not a, ultimately someone who wants to take puppies to skin them. Let me ask you this. You had said that you would love to see the Cruella sequel kind of be 101 Dalmatians. What would her justification for wanting to get those puppies be then? That would be my question of, okay, what what's the justification to get the puppies? But again, here's the thing. If they did a live action 101 Dalmatians, don't tell that story then. Maybe she has another justification of trying to get to steal the puppies. Or maybe there's no stealing puppies at all. Maybe it's something completely different that I don't know. And, and that's okay. Okay, okay. That we don't need to tell the exact same story. Yeah. And, and I think that's fine. The, the only other gripe that I have about the movie is her change to Cruella is very sudden and seems to be triggered by a really non-trivial thing. Where she's got this great job, she's loving it, It's she's doing very, very well, and then she's like, nope, I gotta have this necklace. And Jasper points this out, where Jasper's like, you realize that you like this job, and you're doing your dream job working for the Baroness, and we're gonna risk all this over a necklace? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, wait, like, wait yes, a minute. Yes and no. I mean, you got to remember that necklace is the is the last thing that her mother gives her before her mother dies I, I, in I front it. of her. And and I mean, the Baroness literally says the person stole it from her and tried to like like extort her for money. So suddenly, I mean, I I, I think Estella Cruella. I mean. Clearly is not all mentally there, right? She's she's she probably is a little mentally unstable. I think that's probably what causes the flip over, right? Um, and then obviously when you figure out that, or when she figures out that the Baroness was the one who killed her mom, then it becomes a whole other ballgame. You know, and I think that's when I think she really goes down to crazy town. That makes sense. The whole like I discovered that she was the one that killed my mom. 
okay, I'm in. That makes sense. But when yeah. it was just about the necklace, I was like, okay, really? But again, and, fair I, enough. It's a, just and, a tiny and, and that's a, like, I, I have to I have to say, like, it's such a tiny, tiny gripe. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, it's... It, it's the overanalyzation of movies that we do in this day and age that mm-hmm. we didn't do 30 years ago. And I recognize that it is an overanalyzation and ergo in my mind, not a real gripe that detracts from what this movie does. Otherwise, I mean, beyond that, I mean, even without action, the movie paces very well. There's yes, exciting does. scenes. You kind of have, you know, this what's going to happen, the end, even again, I, I, it be, even though it's not action-y, it's what's going to happen. How is she going to get out of this? What's going to do? Like, oh, my gosh. And, and, and like right off the bat, I think it does a great job at intriguing you that, you know, I'm dead because of that necklace. So you go into this whole movie thinking, wait, does Cruella die at the end of this? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, what happens with all the rest of this? Cause, and then you realize, oh, no, it's not Cruella she's talking about. It's Estella's dead because of that necklace, right? Yeah. Um, I do want to point one thing out, which I think is really interesting. Um, the shop owner, um, the, 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 the guy who owns the shop that she goes into – um, that part was a, one was a unique character created for this movie and is the first openly LGBTQ character in a Disney movie. Can I ask you um, a question on that? Sure. Um, it was never necessarily explicitly said, though. I mean, based on his mannerisms and like you, you get it. Do you think that this is enough representation um, or, or I I guess, was it, let me ask this question a different way. Obviously it's, it's not enough. Like uh, uh, clearly like the, uh, the, the best representation would be the main character is a part of the LGBTQ community. But did this feel like step in the right direction or like a token look, here you go. No, here's why it's not a token because they didn't call it out. It just happened. If it was a, oh, we're going to have an LGBT character in here, you know, for the first time, you know, blah, 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 um, uh, you know, and he's going to be open, he's going to be open about it. No, it, it just happened. And here's how you know uh, he was, uh, well, maybe not him, but the way, um, there's a point when he, when she first meets him, I think his name's Artie, where Artie goes, um, you know, I've got everything every little girl or little boy would love in the shop. Like, it's just a simple throwaway line, but it means the world because it's like, even though I'm selling dresses, anybody can come in here and enjoy this, right? Um, apparently, the the actor who played him modeled his his style after David Bowie. Okay, that's which, what I was thinking. I was yeah, like, it's got to be David Bowie. <laughs> after David Bowie, who at the time in England was a huge star, right? So to answer your question, no, it's it's clearly not a left representation. But what I liked about it was it was there. They weren't didn't announce it ahead of time. And he was not just, it was not just like one, you know, like with Beauty and the Beast, LeFou does that one quick little dance with that one guard and her character, and that's it. Like, it's a real quick, you got 10 seconds, if that, and you're done. Here, he was throughout the whole movie, and he played a critical part in the whole movie. And what I loved about it is he wasn't, he wasn't stereotypically anything. He just was who he was. So, in, to answer your question, yes, it's a step in the right direction, and, and I give Disney a lot of kudos because I think it actually represented that period in time in London historically as well. Um, that, that That is absolutely the type of character that would be involved in that industry in that period of time, right? Um, 
so yeah, I think it was I think it was a fun fun character uh, to add to the mix. Okay, that was just something I was wondering about because again, obviously, I do not. I'm very well resent, represented in movies. Straight white male, <laughs> I, man. There's a, a million movies representing me, yeah. um, and so I, I, I'm I'm always curious on those type of things and to hear hear your opinion on that because you have a much better uh, wealth of knowledge on that subject than I do. So on a scale of one to 10, Matt, where do you put it? Uh, oh, I mean, this movie's a 10 for me. No, like, I, I, I know that's, that's high. I mean, maybe, okay. If I have to be nitpicky, it's a 9.5. Okay. But right. I mean, I always look at, would I watch this movie again? Yes. I would absolutely watch this movie again. We say that all the time. And the fact that I have now watched this movie three times and I have not done that with any other live action. No, I have not watched Jungle Book again. I've not watched Aladdin again. I've not watched Beauty and the Beast. I think I rewatched Cinderella so we could do the re- recording of it. But any other live action, this one I have watched three times. And I could still go, like, I I, I put it on today and Nate's like, you watch it today? I'm like, yeah, I can have this movie on in the background and do my chores while I'm watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a good movies i'm clearly i'm a 10 probably an 11 yeah i i think it's it's definitely top three of live actions that i i still like jungle book more than it but i but you've said but otherwise i mean i think cinderella um would 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 be up there i think i'm on the record in this podcast saying that's one of the better live actions i this is better than cinderella in my opinion okay so top two then yeah, I, I think I think this is this is in that top. T- I think this takes that second slot, and and don't get me wrong, it's close between between Jungle Book. That and, says a lot. That says a lot. Yeah, for you. and and I did not. I really did not think I was going to say this because honestly, I was very prepared. Even though I know I've been squawking on this podcast for the last two weeks, I'm trying to stay unbiased. Unbiased. I was very well prepared to come onto this podcast and just lambast this movie. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, how do you like this? Here's the flaw. Here's the flaw. Here's the flaw so the fact that i was already kind of in that mindset and i've now flipped to this should tell you that if you have not seen this movie and it is now free on disney plus so if yep. you have disney plus there's no more premiere access you can just turn you can just turn it on and watch it it's a really really enjoyable time and one thing we have not mentioned but this goes without saying because it's a movie based on the fashion industry the costumes are just oh, fabulous yeah if especially like love... the ones that Emma Stone like shows the Baroness up in yeah like, that one where she lights herself on fire and she's all red and the garbage uh, the truck garbage one. truck one oh, yes man that the garbage so truck cool. one or the one where she, where she's got the face paint that says I am the future or the yeah. future that outfit like it's just it's a hundred percent in Emma Emma um Thompson's don't even get me started on her fashion. Oh. Like, oh, um, while we're talking about it, what'd you think of the scene with the moths? Oh, that was so clever of her. Right. Where, the, where she does the beating for this signature thing, like tricks them into putting it in this vault. And then when she opens it up, it was really just these moth eggs that and that was her reveal of I'm Cruella yep. to the Baroness. And oh man, like that. That was so cool. And while we're on that topic, the scene when the Baroness find you know, obviously she's found out who it is, and she winds up at Estella's home. And she's got Jasper and Horace tied up. That whole scene where they put her down and they set the place on fire. Emma Thompson in that scene is brilliant. Is just I'm I don't 
you know, the, the Academy Awards will get announced usually, will get announced next year. I, I would be shocked if one or both of them isn't up for um, a nomination. In, I, in this, I think in this that movie. the the Academy is too hoity-toity for... You think so? Yeah. Like, they want all the... I mean, all the films that get announced are all like the... Like, when The Shape of Water... No, I, I get that. But like, like, okay. I, I like, could see... But Emma Thompson in this, she's brilliant. And I hope she okay, does. Maybe Emma Stone... You know, maybe Emma Stone doesn't get that... You know, doesn't get a nod for best, best Actress. But I could see Emma Thompson getting a nod. Maybe not the win, but a nod for for best supporting actress because like she like you said she's just as compelling to watch in this as emma stone is absolutely um so yeah um okay uh before we go real quick uh we're recording this on october 2nd uh yesterday was the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. Have you, were you following any of the news yesterday? I followed a bunch of the news. I've seen all the stuff. I'm 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 having to stay away from some of it because um, I recognize that social media can have a negative effect on my life in that I feel like I'm missing out and yeah. oh my gosh, woe is me. And so I have to I have to temper it because um, especially with Disney stuff, when I see all these people down at Disney yeah. World. It feels like everyone's at Disney and I'm not. And I'm not, yes. And that's clearly not the case. Yeah. But I've kept up with it. I have not watched any of the new nighttime shows. I watched both. Um, which And uh, they are being panned. Like, yeah. And I will tell you, Harmonious, I'm so sad because I had such high hopes for that show. Now, I've heard it is better in person, that the, the live stream was not as good. Um. But what's ironic about this is that I actually preferred Harmonious over Disney's Enchantment. Disney's Enchantment, Whoa. yeah. Like, I'm a castle show guy. I had to turn it off. It, I, oh. I I actually was bored. Like, I got 75% through it when I finally saw Tinkerbell fly. And No, actually, I got all the way through it. I think I did get all the way through it. Um, and I... I you know how much I loved Happily Ever After. Oh yeah, Happily Ever After, in my opinion, was the 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 pinnacle of of Disney fireworks show. It beat Wishes. It beat this thing. The the projection mapping's awesome. The fireworks are great. The music, none of it's original music, Matt. It's all like recorded by pop oh. stars of today. Oh. So like you got a pop star of today singing. You got a friend in me. Like it, it's just it's it's a female like. It, it, you know, the original or happily ever after you actually had a story. And, and, and that's the thing that triggered me about harmonious too, was like, it triggered me <laughs> the thing about harmonious was that it felt like rivers of light 2.0, you know, you know how rivers of light kind of got panned because there was no story there. There wasn't really anything going on. No. Well, that's kind of what harmonious was. Now, again, I brand my friend, Brandon, he's a pr- person who's been on the pod with us before about um, cosplaying. Um, he was down there, and he says that in person it's breathtaking. But I don't know if you saw it last night on 50th anniversary night. They had to go into B mode for Harmonious because yeah. the big ring broke down. Yeah, that's that's concerning to me, right? Um, that that you don't have it ready for you know the 50th anniversary, right? <laughs> Um, so I, I'm in, I'm with you of I I even I'm I'll probably watch them but I'm always reserve my judgment until I see it in person. Yeah. But also I feel like Harmonious might be one of those I see and go 
all right. I don't ever need to see that again. And maybe I, I hope Enchantment's not that. Yeah. Because it's so great to end a day at Magic Kingdom where um, you do the castle show. But again, I I think I, it'll be okay. But you take filet mignon, which is happily ever after, and you replace it with a, a McDonald's burger. Yeah, I don't even know if I'd go that. It's a cheeseburger, but it's maybe a a Wendy's burger. I don't know if it's quite a McDonald's burger, okay. but it's a Wendy's burger. It's still, it's fast food. Like I, I feel like they phoned it in, and and that's what. That disappoints me. Now, I will tell you, there's been some great stuff. Did you see Spaceship Earth lit up with the new lights? Oh, the Epcot. Oh, oh my gosh. And like, the monorail lights underneath oh, the monorail. And I, the, they're all beacons oh. of magic. I, I'm so excited to see all of that the stuff. The pictures of the Epcot ball are just, yes. just fabulous. Also, have you seen the kites in Animal Kingdom? Yes. Did you hear they had to go to Mimo today today as well? I am so here for these kites. Okay. Let Kite me tails. defend these kites here. I know that like there's all these hilarious TikToks and, and things where like how they have to land is by essentially crashing or like one of them, Baloo, got caught in a tree today. Ugh. I love it. This is the type of chaos of 90s Disney. Yep. Where, all right, it's character driven. And that's yep. why I've been my big thing with Animal Kingdom. Like, you yep. have animals. The kites look like a lot of fun. You get to see them go around and then they crash. I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> What's I, not to love about I'm this? excited to see that show when it comes out uh, or when I get there in November. Although I'm not, I don't have an Animal Kingdom day planned, but I might. I might try to sneak over there, like in Park Hop over there one day, yeah. maybe on um, Hollywood Studios Day. I don't know, but yeah, um, it, but overall, like, yeah. yeah. Overall, okay. it's been a, it's been a ton of fun. I, I really, I, I think 2022. I'm really going to try to get down there. Um, we have some friends that we've talked about going with that it looks like it might work out to go cool. next year. Um, so I, I I I'd like to get down there. Um, Did you see all the images of the Emporium? Oh, the Emporium looks great. No, but I'm the, the images of the people in, like, they were doing virtual queues to get people into the Emporium. My friend Kylie, she's a supervisor down there, she said it was insane. Like, she showed me some pictures that were found online. It's like, it's like Black Friday times 10. Yeah, yeah. It's it insane. was all that. People all were that 50th fighting merch. over. So, and then yesterday, um, Shop Disney released a bunch of the 50th merch as well. I ended up picking up the 50th anniversary hoodie. I ended up picking out the uh, 15th anniversary polo and the Mickey plush. Cause you know, I'll, I'll think. Oh yeah. You got to have the Mickey plush. And yeah, I, I figured figure the rest, something. the rest I'll buy when I get down. <laughs> yeah. I got to figure out something 50th to get. I don't know what, yeah. um, but uh, maybe I'll they have, you- they have, uh, it, you can pre-order it right now. It's the 50th anniversary commemorative set for $500. If you're interested, what is this set? And it contains, hold on. Let me pull it up for you real quick. In oh, case, in a case set of is, what? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Hold on. Uh, let, me, let me do this Because th- that makes a difference. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's the Walt Disney World 50th Anniversary Box Limited Release. I did see this. Product I know exactly detailed. what you're talking about. Um, created especially for Walt Disney World Resort. Limited release of 2,000 each item. Um, uh, it's got like a license plate in golden, there. And- golden foil decoration. Sculpted metal latch. Opens to reveal three gatefold sections with fitted storage, has an MP4 video screen and pop-up Cinderella Castle on the first level, MP4 playback up to 45 to 60 minutes, um, 
It has a 1971 Walt Disney World reproduction map, vintage art, coated art paper folded, Magic Kingdom 11 Adventures reproduction ticket book, A through E attraction tickets. Um, they're not. It says, please note, not valid, not no actual ticket value. <laughs> uh, Walt Disney, the Florida Project puzzle, uh, photo of Walt Disney with map of Florida, box jigsaw puzzle, 1,000 pieces, Walt Disney World postcard booklet, a uh, photo of Walt Disney World through the years, eight postcards, accordion fold, perforated gloss finish, Mickey Mouse reproduction journal with vintage art, orange bird mini snow globe, Whoa. Ooh, Mickey Mouse at Walt Disney World commemorative, commemorative coin, Walt Disney World commemorative souvenir license plate, Cinderella Castle magnet for Walt Disney World, Minnie Mouse Ear Headband, Walt Disney World 50th Anniversary, Cinderella Castle Pin, Walt Disney World 50th Anniversary, Walt Disney World's 50th Anniversary Flare Pin Set, Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse Partners Lanyard and Pouch, Walt Disney World 50th Anniversary, Mickey Mouse Vinylmation, Walt Disney and wow. Mickey Mouse Partners Glicklee and Envelope, so that's like one of the paintings, Walt Disney World 50th Anniversary Commemorative Coin, 50th anniversary Magic Band 2, limited edition. Uh, it goes through what Magic Bands are. Um, yeah, so that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff for 500. Like I can, yeah. I can see why it's 500 bucks. I don't think I'm going to drop 500 bucks. No, no, I'm not going to drop 500 I, I got to figure out something 50th to get. I'd rather I, spend the $500 on four theme park tickets. You yeah, know? That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's what I'd rather spend the, spend the money on. Um, one more merch thing before we go. D23 announced... They are exclusively going to be selling to gold members Muppet Haunted Mansion stuff. They are really leaning into that. I, saw, I looked at st- the stuff on uh, the link that you sent me, and um, and there's some really cool looking pins and some nice mm-hmm. um, some nice shirts. So, um, man, I, there here's here's what I'm pushing for now. Make the holiday overlay Muppets instead of Nightmare Before Christmas. Ah! Please. Uh, um, so I, I, I'm excited. We're going to do a whole extravaganza that will uh, on Muppets Haunted Mansion, which we'll get to in some later episodes. Yeah, that's coming um, up. Um, um, we got we have Jungle. Oh, we're reviewing the Jungle Cruise next week, uh, we which we that? can't do because it doesn't come out till November ah, 12th. So. Okay, so we can't do that. So we'll have a conversation about that. We're going to so. have a conversation about that after this pod. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Uh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, though, about um, I'm so excited that you're going down like I'll live vicariously through you in a month. Um, and I know that I'll get back there. Like, I'm not oh, worried. Yeah, exactly. Um, it just is. I, I think it's all been uh, amplified right now because we just haven't been able to go anywhere. And it's been such a weird year and a half. So, um, and this is the longest in recent memory that I, I've been away from not been able to go to Disney. So, yeah, there's that too. All right, it's closing time, my friends. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so by finding us on Twitter and Instagram at BeersEars1928. Find us on Facebook at Beers and Ears Podcast. You can also email us at BeersAndEars1928 at gmail.com. If you have not already subscribed to the podcast, we please implore you to do so because that is how people find us. Of course, rate and review us. Five stars, five stars. Uh, as we just said, we've got some new episodes coming up. We have to have a conversation about what the next one is that we're recording because uh, there's some issues. I think it may end up being um, 
depending, it may end up being the top 10 franchises you wish you had ahead of Park Ride because I think that's the next feasible one. Oh, so, fun. Uh, more conversation on that to come. So anyway, uh, Matt, let's raise our glasses. Yes, let's raise our glasses. Or in my case, my coconut mango hard salsa that I got from Aldi. And <laughs> we will see you next time. This episode's been on us. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast. 